online. We thank you for being here and pray, God, that we'll be able to read some scripture that will help to uh, bring encouragement into the hearts and minds of, uh, of each of you. Let's go, please, to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you for your creation. As we consider the creation, all that you've made, Lord God, we realize your power and your might. But yet, Lord God, with all the power and might that you have, yet you're so humble. And so you've taught us how to be humble. I pray, Lord God, that you'll bless us to open our hearts to receive you, to be humble like you. Give us the ability, Lord God, to be more like you every day, to strive to be better people, to be better children of yours, to bring glory and honor to your name. Please bless us tonight. Open our minds, Lord God, to understand your word. And grant to us clarity and grant to us an inward desire to be better children of yours today than we have been yesterday and to plan for our future to be better children of yours in the future. Thank you for Jesus, your great son. Thank you for your love. And thank you for the amazing sacrifice made in our behalf. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray if it be your will. Amen. uh, Proverbs chapter 23 tonight. So tonight, this series of the lesson or subtopic of the lesson series uh, will be We'll begin with a plan for being successful. A plan for being successful in our, uh, the control, if you will, of our minds or, um, the ability to, to reconstruct our thinking, as God would say, transform our mind from one direction to another. So to make a total commitment is to plan this new mindset with enthusiasm, okay? So in Proverbs 23, in verse 7, it says, For as he thinks within himself, so is he. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. So in other words, the idea is there's one thing in the man's mind. Uh, and so whatever's in your mind, this is, this is kind of what, you know, what you are. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about uh, positive things? So there's this, this acronym is PMA, Positive Mental Attitude. What is in your heart? What are you thinking about in your heart tonight? Do you have a positive mental attitude? Do you have the ability to think in a positive way? Well, that's a silly question because all of us, each of us, have the ability to think in a positive way. And most of us do, as God's people, think in a positive way about everything in life. Tonight is just encouragement to continue to think and to find optimism or be optimistic in all things. Think about an opt- optimistic viewpoint from every situation that you find yourself in. Ask, what is one thing that is positive or good about this situation? We could even ask that about COVID. Is there, is there one good thing during this pandemic that we really don't like? But is there one good thing that has come out of this uh, situation that has brought something, a different perspective, um, uh, more of something within you, whatever it is, maybe an, um, an understanding better of yourself, of your family, etc. What is one good thing about our situation that we are currently in? What is one opportunity within this situation? Have I found more opportunity to do certain things in or during this particular pandemic? 
which means maybe we have to refocus, refocus our mind, which means maybe refocus in the sense that we widen our focus. Instead of looking just specifically at this, at this situation, what is the, what is the broader, what is the broader picture? What is out there that you found that really, you know, you didn't think about and had this pandemic not come, you wouldn't have thought about it, but now the pandemic is here. You're thinking about things in ways you haven't thought of in the past. And then ask yourself, uh, when I, as you struggle within sometimes with trying to find a positive viewpoint, ask yourself, will this thing, this situation that's bogging me down, will it matter in five weeks? Will it matter in five months? Six months? And if it won't matter in five weeks or five months or six months, then maybe have a different viewpoint about the situation to focus also on the benefits what are the benefits you know here are the benefits it's going to get better right eventually it will get better and so we we focus on the end game realizing that we truly can see the forest of the trees because god has made it clear to us that this is not the end this is just a situation that's in our lives today and it's not something that is new these things have plagued the world in times past as well. So, in the morning we wake up, we arise from our beds of slumber and start the day with a positive affirmation. That means that you have to go to bed thinking about positive things, right? With a good attitude, with a positive emotion. And one way that we can ensure that we go to bed with a good and positive attitude is end your night in a good honest prayer in faith, right? End your night in a good, honest prayer in faith, knowing that God is in tomorrow already. God will meet us there. He's already there. And so God, the God who carried us through today, will carry us through the night and carry us into tomorrow, if it be his will, that tomorrow should come. And so go to bed in a good, uh, with a good mindset and wake up in a good mood and ask God to help your day uh, and find something today that I can do that's positive that will bless those who are around me and focus on good things regardless of maybe failures. Maybe today there were some failures in my life that um, things I can do better at. Okay, well, instead of viewing our failures as as failures and times to give up, view them as life lessons. Right? Life lessons. Life teaches us something every day. And so it's a life lesson. Okay, I wasn't, I didn't do this correctly or this didn't turn out quite the way I hoped it would. But we know the Bible tells us in Romans 8 that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord according to his will. So we know it's going to turn out good, but it's a lesson of life for me. And then use positive self-talk. We talked about that uh, many, many weeks ago. That is so important. Positive Self-talk. I mean, there is not an athlete today uh, that does not use some kind of um, self-talk. We have to use self-talk. We have to encourage ourselves that uh, everything's going to be all right or that we can win or whatever it is that we need to say to turn our negative maybe mindset into a positive one as we focus on the present, right? As you focus on the present, you use positive self-talk 
to encourage yourself that things will get better. And as you do that, be patient. Be patient. It might not be tomorrow. It may not be today. But it will come our way because of the greatness of God. I want to turn to Colossians uh, chapter 3. So what exactly should I think about? Because we're talking about having a positive mental attitude. What exactly should I think about in Colossians 3 and verse 1? Tells us what to think about. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so I should think about and keep my mind focused in heaven. Right? So thoughts create images in the mind. Right? And those images produce desire. Some of those desires that are produced... Because of my thought, and the images are good, and some of those desires, because of thought and images, are bad. We're talking about focusing on the good and the positive. So what's going into my brain is going to come out through desires, right? So desire will influence me in a way that sets my mind into a direction. In other words, it will give me a a will, right? My direction now, I got this good thought in my mind. Oh, and I know I can be what God wants me to be. And so today I'm going to, and I I start living my life in my mind and start moving into that direction because it becomes a will within my life. And then that will that I have in my mind will display itself in some sort of action, right? And so today I've decided I'm going to to, uh, do more of this and less of that. Uh, That image in my mind is... Me doing, I have an image of me doing those things. And then when I wake up in the morning or as I go throughout my day, I'll find myself actively pursuing the will that is on my heart or on my mind. Because what exactly the thing you're thinking about, Proverbs 23 and verse 7 again, as a man thinketh, so is he. So that's Proverbs 23 and verse 7. So um, here's the next question. We should determine in our minds certain things. For example, um, you can go ahead and flip that, Judy. Uh, so what is worthy? What is worthy? You know, in your mind, I'm thinking about this. What is, what is worthy of my thought? And, and this is thinking more of ourselves, uh, not more of ourselves than we ought, but rather it's thinking more of ourselves and realizing, you know, there are some things in our lives that are worthy of my thought. Remember, God tells us that we are worthy. Okay? We're worthy to the point that God came and died for us. So there is some worth and value within us. And so as we view the worth and value within us, you can determine, well, what's worthy to consume my time? What should I allow in my brain to consume my every thought? And I'm going to dignify only what is worth honor or my honor or my time I'm only going to dignify what is worthy of my time which makes me more deliberate in my thoughts and in my concentration of good here i i want to consider what's good and i want to consider what's worthy and i want to move into the direction of what's good and what's worthy of my time and my consideration we have value, self-esteem. We, you know, we look at ourselves and see ourselves as God sees us instead of, instead of looking down on ourselves and continually saying this, 
over and over again. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. As a man thinketh, so is he. So the more that we devalue the worth that God put in us, if we weren't worthy, Jesus wouldn't have come. And Jesus himself said we're worthy. We need to stop degrading and devaluing ourselves and realize how important and how beneficial we are to the world. Remember, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. So think about that for just a moment. Um, if someone prepares a meal and the meal is, is tasteless, what do we do to it? We add flavor. When the world is dark and you wake up in the middle of the night and, and the powers have gone, the, the lights have gone out, the power has gone out, what do we do? What's the first thing that we do? We seek light. That's what Jesus says we are. We are the, the salt to a bland world. We are the light to a world of darkness. That's worth something. And that's what Jesus says that we are. And so our attitudes as we display Jesus or the reflection of Jesus, our attitudes affect the world. And what a beautiful and amazing thing. So we're worth something. Decide what's, what's worthy of your time in your service uh, to the Lord. Luke chapter 7. The more attractive um, an issue becomes in your mind, the larger the place it will occupy, right, in your mind. I mean, if, it, if it's a, if the world's turned upside down, it's going to occupy your mind. Uh, for example, for, for the longest time, maybe even today, we hear COVID-19, COVID-19, COVID. It's the largest thing right now that's occupying our minds. And so much so to where even, even this can drown out our relationship with Christ. But we cannot. The loudest thing, the largest thing that should occupy our minds at all times should be Jesus. It should always be God. For God is bigger than everything, right? And God is greater than all. So I want to look just for a moment at Luke chapter 7. And I want to read beginning at verse 39. And look at this situation. The Bible says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, speaking of Jesus, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. And a certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged correctly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. So here's this reflection. This woman saw Jesus, the Son of God, the Master Teacher, in her presence. Simon saw a man that he wanted just to judge. 
Simon didn't look into his own mirror, if you will, the mirror of self. Simon looked at Jesus. But the woman, when she saw Jesus, she saw her own reflection and need. And so we, God's people, as we reflect on how much... Now, this is kind of um, critical that we add this in here. Thinking about how much, reflecting on how much we have been forgiven of is a good place to begin. But to do that, not dwelling on the negative but affirming the positive. In other words, like Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, here's where I used to be, but this is now where I am. Philippians chapter 3, I used to be this, but this is what I am now. So there's this rejoicing in the power of God to take a man with all of his faults and turning him into something that is perfect in the eyes of God. So that's reflecting on how far God brought me. He brought me from this place and placed me in another place. So the idea is the issue should be so huge in our minds that we are now a forgiven people, a a, chill, a child of God, children of God, of the Master, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that brings tremendous joy and happiness into our hearts. So you see, it's not dwelling on the negative, but rather affirming. Affirming what, what is, that which is positive. The idea that I've been forgiven and that there's nothing in my life right now that Jesus hasn't forgiven me of. As I have repented and made my life right with God and I stay in this relationship with the Lord, I continue to rejoice in the power of God. Allow that to consume your minds. And you'll always be at the feet of Jesus kissing and hugging and loving. He who's forgiven much, loves much. Sometimes when, uh, or often when we forget the huge debt, the enormous debt that we have been forgiven of, we, we learn to love Jesus less. So never allow ourselves to be like the church at Ephesus who, who had left its first love because they had forgotten how far Jesus has brought them from the relationship before or prior outside of Christ, to the relationship they currently are in and enjoy with Christ. What is consuming our minds right now? Turn to Matthew, please, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. What I don't want us to do and what God doesn't want us to do is to allow the negative to become um, such an attractive thought or issue in our minds that it takes the larger place of our lives, right? We don't want that to ever happen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in to steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I wonder, where exactly is my treasure? Now, I want to just grab the principle out of this. Where is my treasure? What is the most important thing to me today? Because whatever that is, that is where my heart is. And when we find in our lives that the most important thing in our lives isn't God, it is at that point that we should take a step back, be willing to challenge our heart, 
and refocus our minds to God. To recognize uh, a negative or a sinful mindset, that's a Christian thing. You see, that's what's amazing about Christians. It's not that we are perfect. And it's, it's, and what makes us different is this. When we find ourselves sinning, we recognize it, right? And we take a step back and we feel remorseful over it. We're sorry that we've done it. And then we just can't wait to make it right. We look for, we desire earnestly the desire or the, the, the opportunity to make it right with God. Now, a, another person who is not a, a Christian, who does not identify with God, makes that same mistake or error in their lives, and they don't even recognize it. It's like running the stop sign. And so, thank God that we can look at where our treasure was, or maybe where it is now, and if we look at the treasure and realize our treasure isn't in heaven, and it isn't focused on God, we can correct that action or that mindset today, right now. And then this is what's very important. When we correct something in our mind that is improper, uh, improper, something we've, we've thought about negatively, uh, perhaps we, um, we have sinned in some way or another, when we think about that and we make that right with God, when you go to God in prayer, and if, it's, if, if there's someone you need to make it right with, communicate with in some way, but you make it right with God in prayer. This is something we have to remember. Never hold yourself accountable for something that God has forgiven you of. That's, you know, to forgive yourself, that's, that's tough, isn't it? But when you step away, God does not want us to live in negativity or live in a world of stress and anxiety. When you pray to God and you give it to him and you, you repent of your sin with a sincere heart, step away and let it go. You have to let it go. And that's tough. And so there are so many people who drown in their own misery because they can't let it go. You have to let it go. If you've made it right with God, let it go. It's in the past. And move forward with Jesus Christ. I want to turn to John chapter 10. And I want to begin reading, if you will, about verse 25 regarding Jesus speaking about his sheep. That his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. Verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. So, Jesus says, my sheep, they continue to hear my voice. My sheep, they continue to follow me. That's the literal reading of that, of that text. That the sheep of Jesus, they'll stumble. And they'll find themselves falling short. But they're going to continue to follow Jesus. Is it worth? Is it worth anything to you? Of course. It's worth what? Everything. Allow that to be, if you will, the mindset continually throughout the day that everything that I do has to involve Jesus, right? And allow Jesus to consume your every thought and your mind. I want to go back to Colossians for just a moment. Chapter 3. 
And I would like to look at verse 1. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Again, it says, If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on these things, or the, excuse me, the things above, and not on things that are on earth. So, you continue to seek, and you set your mind on things above, and step away from all the stuff that, is on the earth. The stuff that's negative and that bothers us and brings us down and draws us down and just, I mean, makes us feel like, you know, makes you feel horrible inside. We have to let those things go. Step away from those things and set your mind in heaven and focus on the greatness and the beauty of God. I often, when I read that verse, and I've been thinking about lately, the Imagine being a Christian in the first century and you, you know you're going to become a You're the next martyr. I mean, you're, you're in line. You've, you've, the, the Romans have already uh, uh, grabbed hold of you. They've taken you to their, their dungeon. Uh, you're next. And, and you don't really know how. You don't know if it will be, um, you know, by wild beasts or gladiators or, or some sword or fire. You just you don't know. You know, there's this, this anxiousness in your heart and, and you're praying, God, please help me not to deny you because that is the goal of the Romans, to get those Christians to, to deny. Even Paul, remember when Paul, uh, in Acts, he talks about what he did to the Christians. He would try to force them to blaspheme. And to me, that's just so funny. It's like you read it and you go, well, wait a minute. You know it's wrong to blaspheme the name of God, but yet you torture them to make them blaspheme the name of God. Aren't technically you the one blaspheming God? <laughs> right? It's like the mindset. You wonder, what, what are they thinking about? But, but, but anyway, um, so the Romans are trying to get the Christians to blaspheme God, and you're asking God, please, to give you, number one, a torture that you can, you can handle. So much so to where when you die, you die a, a good death in the sense that you, you become a martyr and uh, you... You sacrifice your life for Jesus. What what are you going to think about? Right? What do you think they were thinking about during that 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 moment? Maybe those those minutes before their execution or, or the hour before, knowing that today is the day. I'll bet you their minds were focused on heaven and where Jesus is seated and where they're going to go and et cetera, et cetera. All the positives. Again, we just have to, as God's people. Practice keeping our minds in heaven and not on the earth. So I want to give you a scripture to think about. We're going to go to Matthew 6 in just a moment. Um, When we truly delight in God's word, and we find great pleasure, and we find satisfaction from it. This is important. If you're reading the Bible and it's just a boring book to you, it means that something's missing. And I don't know what that is. You, you'll know what it is for you, and, and, and I know what it is for me, and God knows what it is for both of us. But either way, there's something missing. When you pick the Bible up, and it's not something that is reaching you, reaching your heart. There's something blocking it, right? There's something blocking God's ability to transform the mind. In other words, I am, I am not letting Jesus in for some reason. And like the church of Laodicea, in Revelation chapter 3, in verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And so my question has always been, when I've read that verse, is how did Jesus get out of their lives? How did he get out of their heart? Well, they put him out. 
And now he's knocking to come back in. And they have to open the door of the heart to let Jesus in. But Jesus stands and knocks. He won't break the door down. God is not going to force himself into our lives. He wants us to welcome him into our lives. So when I read the word of God, and there's a roadblock, and I'm not quite, I'm not quite there. I'm not letting him, allowing Jesus into my heart. Something has to change. When the word of God is not something that I crave, something that I desire, and, and spending time with Jesus, there's a block there. What, what might that block be? And of course, it'd be different for, for everyone. But what is it for you if there's a block there? If there's something that is keeping Jesus out of your heart? To meditate on God's Word is difficult if God's Word is not inside of me. It's got to be in here. If it's not in here, there's something keeping it out. What is keeping the Word of God out? What is keeping the positive out of our lives and fueling our minds with so much negativity? That's a question that only you can answer and only I can answer for myself and for yourself. To meditate on God's Word means there's something there. There's something about God and about God's Word that I want, that I desire, that I, that I crave. And as I meditate uh, upon this, this Word that God is giving me, this Word becomes as necessary to me as my daily food, right? When that stomach begins to growl, as the mind says, it's time to eat. That's what the Word of God should do to us. It should be something that we crave and earnestly desire. So Jesus uh, says in the, in the prayer, uh, Matthew 6 and verse 11, Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. So in the physical sense, here's our daily bread. Bread, food that we need, sustenance, right? We need to eat and, and, and enjoy our food. Thank you, God, for that. And thank you, God, for giving us enough food for today, to keep us going for today. Tomorrow's a different day. But today, thank you, God. And we lose that. Um, eventually, I want us to look at that prayer in a, in a, in a you know, maybe a sermon series. As, a, as Americans, or should I say as wealthy people, wealth, wealthy nations, right? Wealthy nations, we lose that because we have refrigeration, because we have electricity. We have the ability to uh, to put food into a refrigerator or a you know a storage of some sort, um, and, it, and it won't spoil, or or into a freezer. And so our daily food is there. I mean, for like tomorrow and, and the next month, and, and for some of us for years, right? Fish, we just vacuum pack it and have it for a year or maybe even two. And so we kind of lose that that portion of the prayer that Jesus reminds us of in Matthew 6 and verse 11. But now let's think about this for a moment. There's something that you, you cannot preserve like that. You have to preserve it in your heart. And what is that? And that's in Matthew 4. So Jesus in Matthew 4, he says this in a, in a way of challenge through his temptation. Matthew 4 and verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What does that mean to you? That man will live 
on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Does that make you wonder, well, well, what, what has come out of the mouth of God? Well, it's in the Bible, right? Every word that has come out of the mouth of God by way of inspiration is meaningful. And it's there for a specific reason. And it's important. Every word is important, right? Every article that God used, every indefinite article, every conjunction, every adjective, adverb, everything that God said is so critical and so important. Do I crave it and say, Lord, teach me. Teach me. Do I desire it? Is it my necessary food? Man should not live by bread, physical sustenance, physical bread alone, but by the spiritual. That is what is key and that is what is important. And that is the holistic view of this physical body. That the mind controls the body. Or does the body control our minds? That's a great thought, right? Physical or the spiritual? So now back to Deuteronomy for just a moment. Way back here in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to look at this. This is where Jesus quotes or grabs his quote from. And I want to look at Deuteronomy 8 beginning in verse 1. And let's read what kind of the context of what uh, is being stated as Jesus takes this quote. Verse 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he may humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. That's interesting, isn't it? There's more to that, wasn't it? Jesus refers back to Deuteronomy and he says, I want you to think about this, this situation. How God gave commandments and then Israel forsook, the Hebrews forsook the commandment. They found themselves in, uh, in a wilderness for 40 years. But in the wilderness, God took care of them. And God wanted them to remember all of the commandments that he gave to them. Now think about that for a moment. To remember all of the commandments that God gave. Wow, there were a lot of commandments. What did that mean you had to do? Spend time knowing, learning the commandments of God. Like we spent time learning our ABCs, and before you know it, it became second nature. Like we spent time learning arithmetic, and before you knew it, it became second nature. Like we spent time learning how to write, and it became second nature. Let the Word of God be so deep in your heart that it becomes first nature. It's what you always think about. And God said, I gave you a physical examination. I tested you with food and then without food to see if you would keep my commandment or not. Right? I tested you to help you to learn that that word greed, stay away from it. To help you to learn that food is important. And beneficial, and there's no doubt we need it. Don't worry, God will provide. 
or what's more important than food would be the commandment, would be the Word of God. Every word that comes from God is more important than any piece of bread that you'll ever place in your mouth. Because the Word of God will meet us on the day of judgment. And so the preparation today for meeting our God must be on our heart and on our minds. What does it mean to you when Jesus says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? How, how beneficial do you find that? And so then we look at life. We think about that. We say, okay, God, what's most important? And what's most important is everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, now, we're in a pandemic right now. What do we do? Well, let's see. Do we, do we spend our time in the negative or do we spend our time in the positive? So spending our time in the positive might cause us to think like this. Turn to Isaiah chapter 64. To remember something that's critical and that will always be important and beneficial in our lives. To remember who we truly are. Who am I? To remember that. Isaiah 64 and verse 8. There the Bible says, But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay, and thou art our potter. And all of us are the work of thy hand. To remember that I am just clay, and God is the potter. And so he can mold me, and change me, and make me as he so wills. Because that is my inward desire. My inward desire is to please my Father. And as my Father molds me, as I continue to grow, He may tear me down and build me back up into something else. Because this is what He prefer I be. Allow God, the potter, to use us in a way that He sees fit. And so we ask our Father, Dear God, our Father, please mold me into the man that You would have me to be. And in my current situation, whatever it may be, use me in a way that I never thought you could. Use me in a way that's beneficial to you and to your kingdom. God is the potter. We are the clay. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And here's what I know, and you know. But how much do we believe it? It's going to be okay. If I'm in the potter's hand, I'm going to be just fine. I'm, I am going to be just fine if I'm in the potter's hand because God has the ability to feed me and give me what I need at the hour and the moment and the second that I need. Whatever it may be, God will give me the strength and the ability. He will not starve me out, but he will feed me what I need to have true inner peace and the ability to overcome any situation that I might find myself in so that the flesh is not overcome or rather the spirit is not overcome by the flesh. Rather, the flesh is subject to the spirit, to the mind. And that's what Jesus spoke of in John chapter 14 and verse 27. When Jesus speaks of peace, it's not the way that we it's not the way that we think of peace, but the peace that Jesus speaks of is a peace that is in the midst 
of a chaotic world. So he says to the apostles, uh, speaking of the Holy Spirit, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So remember that before the apostle Saul, who became Paul, became an apostle, he was wreaking havoc on the church. And the apostles, remember what Jesus said. Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace. Now, it's hard to find peace when you're running for your life. But that was God's point. Man shall not live by bread alone. And they found peace. They found peace because of the greatness of our God. Not the greatness of humanity, but because of the greatness of our God whom we serve. And so, when I think about the Word of God, and I ask God to reach deep into my heart, into my soul, to give me what I need, to mold me, and to make me into the man that He would have me to be, I realize that I must also prepare myself through study. Study of God's Word. And the Word of God must become meaningful to me. So much so to where I crave it, I desire it every single day and throughout the day just to be able to remind myself of one of the principles of God or or specifics of the Word of God or or books of the Bible that I've been thinking about or whatever it may be, God has to be the most attractive portion of our minds. He must consume our minds in one way or another in and for the positive. Finally tonight, Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Jesus challenges us to be challenged people, to challenge even ourselves uh, within our relationship with God. So the Bible says this. It was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. So Jesus says, find within yourself the ability to deny self. We may do it from food, a fast. But he's talking about the spiritual side. To deny the things that are most important, that are blocking me from Jesus. Deny myself from those things that are blocking my path to be more like Christ. And allow that, that man who, who loves these things that are blocking my relationship with the Lord, allow those things to be crucified, to die, to be gone forever, and have a resolve in your heart to follow Jesus. And so, how do I get there, Lord? How do I get to that point where I can desire to deny myself, and literally deny myself the pleasures of of this world, to be one with Jesus, to be one with God, because the pleasures that I'm seeking right now, whatever they might be, are blocking my relationship with God. How do I get there? Well, we get there with the very next verse, in verse 24, where it says, whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. Have a desire to save your soul, not your life. 
And that's different, isn't it? So imagine a Christian. Go back to this. All I have to do is sprinkle some of the ashes and then they'll let me live. All they have to do is deny God and, and they won't burn me at the stake. All I have to do is, is deny God and, and they'll, they'll let me live. And Jesus says, Tony, if all you're thinking about is your flesh and saving your life, which you're going to die later anyway, and saving your life, you're going to lose your soul. But instead, what I want you to do, I want you to be willing to lose your life. Be a martyr for me. And then don't worry, I will save you. So, the desire tonight, the Word of God, that which saves us. The lesson is yours tonight. I trust and pray that something was said, some scripture was read, to encourage us. And also, along with that, that tonight... um, if, if you found in your heart that you desire uh, to uh, have repentance in your heart, to surrender your life uh, to God uh, in the waters of baptism, if there is something that we can do for you in, in any way, uh, shape, or form, uh, you can please let us know, and we will make sure that we um, get back in touch with you and call the office, um, contact us in one way or another. I apologize the information is not on the screen tonight, but uh, that's all right. If you'll just, as Brother James always says, Take your iPhone, right? Let him explain it and just Google Angry Church of Christ or find a church of Christ near you. Uh, there'll be folks there who will be willing to help you in some way or another. Um, we are in uh, full swing, saving souls and having the opportunity to make our lives right with God. And so don't allow this pandemic to stop you uh, and keep you away from what you know to be true and right and sound. The lesson is yours. We thank God for your, your presence. God bless you.